Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, this is Ray Harkins, and you are listening to the podcast 100 Words or Less. If this intro sounds different, it's because uh, I'm recording it in my car, and it's not because I am lacking in time or professionalism, I think that's a word, but uh, it's because I want to capture an absolutely true emotion that I am feeling currently. So, well, first of all, the guest this week is Cameron Miller. He is a vocalist for a band called Seizures, and uh, I've become very friendly with him over the past, I would say, year, year and a half or so, um, solely through the podcast. I, uh, he, I was aware of him previously, um, and we existed in the same scene, so to speak, but uh, we had never met and connected and sp- spoke to one another. Um, I had an unbelievable conversation with him that I captured, and um, because he, he has a very crazy life story um that has completely influenced the art that he creates um and i just i was i was blown away that i was able to um have this discussion with him and um yeah talk very frankly about depression um coming out of it and uh, everything else that revolves around it so i really appreciate cameron being uh, as open and honest as he was with this because He was uh, very deliberate in wanting to come on my show to express these feelings because, um, yeah, that was uh, an important part of uh, his process. So I was very, very glad that we had this discussion. But um, more more on him and uh, the interview in a minute. But uh, so I am leaving Chain Reaction here in Southern California after playing a benefit show for the band The Ghost Inside. Uh, I, for most of you, have some idea that I sang in a band called Taken. 
and we existed till about 2004 and sporadically do shows here and there. But uh, we got asked to play this benefit show with Bleeding Through, um, A Dying Dream, which was basically all of the Ghost Inside, with the exception of a few members uh, before they changed their name, um, and Runaway Kids, and then a band called Oblige. And um, it's, it's uh, like I said, I wanted to capture this raw emotion, and I hope uh, I'm not being too hyperbolic or full of cliches, but it was, it was magical. For a multitude of reasons, one of them being, I mean, our our show um, was was good. We played okay. Um, the crowd looked at us like, uh, you know, we were strange people because realistically, the sound that Taken embodies uh, is not necessarily the most crowd friendly sound. We're a melodic hardcore with, uh, you know, five five and a half minute songs. Not exactly the mosh inducing or circle pit. Uh, yeah, rearing band And uh, we get that, we totally understand that So we don't expect crowds to go nuts to us But when they do, it's spectacular But I digress The show was fun, I had fun It was a uh, e- emotional um, purging of some feelings I've been having But the most important facts are That I just love music And I love this community that I exist in because um, it, it, I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's been happening with the ghost inside, but they, you know, long story short, were in a horrific bus accident. Many of the members suffered some horrible, horrible injuries and are on a very, very long and difficult road to recovery. These are guys that have lost limbs and also broken bones that I can't even imagine what you would have to do to break them. So we raised a lot of money because this was a two-night event. Um, actually, Cameron's band, Seizures, played uh, the first night. But anyways, I, I'm very long-winded, and I apologize. But lo- long story short, the feelings that I got of everybody surrounding this band and contributing not only financially, but emotionally, physically, it, it's just its a very special feeling. It's, it's exactly why... This stuff that we're all into, this sort of outsider art and this independent subculture is the fiber of my being. It gives me everything that I am and I need because uh, if I didn't have this, I mean, I don't even know where I would kind of come up with my morals and values. And of course, I have my religion and I have all these other things that obviously play a part in this. But so many ethics and human beings that I know are all directly correlated and linked to this independent music scene. Whether or not they still actively contribute, I, it doesn't necessarily matter to me. It's the fact that the connections are still there. And um, tonight just, just so solidified that in my head that um, all the decisions that I've made and the you know long sleepless nights you know playing on tour and never making money and all these things that would be considered a quote-unquote sacrifice for most people – uh, I don't view them as such. I've told people recently this. The illustration that I like to use is basically I got a backpack and I'm, I'm filling it with life experiences and human beings and relationships and all this stuff. And that's exactly what this music scene has contributed heavily to my backpack. So anyways, whew, let's let's try to ramp this down and lead into the interview with Cameron. Um, so Visit the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com. Drop me an email, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. 
And um, yeah, I'll let Cameron tell his story. We uh, sat outside on a beautiful sunny afternoon in Southern California at uh, at a Starbucks, and it was. I was glad it didn't feel awkward that we were just sitting there with microphones, and uh, you know, no one stared at us. So, mission was successful. So, here's my discussion with Cameron, and I will talk to you after the show's over. I guess there always will be if there's a lack of venues and there's always going to be more bands that are willing to like play and pay these shows. Yeah. I think the worst example that I remember of the pay to play stuff was at the, when the whiskey, this was like early 2000s. Oh God. Yeah. And they, uh, Converge played there and it was, uh, gosh, I can't remember who else played the show, but I mean, it was an unbelievable show. Yeah. And it was like, they even, uh, I think Hatebreed was recording out here, but basically Converge did a Hatebreed cover with Jamie singing, and it was just, you know, I mean, like... I think I heard about that. It was unbelievable. And they're like, what do you... What, what, what's... No one can top that. Yeah. Like, we're good. Like, that, the night is over. Yeah. They had a band playing after Converge, a p- pay-to-play band. Oh, that sounds like stand-up comedy. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> and it's like, I, I knew a kid playing in that final band, and he was yeah. like, can you please stay? And I was like my heart is breaking to a million pieces. Of course I'll stay. And so it's like, they got set up so fast and we're trying to like get just like, Hey everybody, come on, stay here as everybody is leaving. And it was like, uh, like a, a song into it. There was maybe five people there. And it's just geez. like, and you could tell that they were billed, you know, when they got put on the show, like, Hey, do you want to play with Converge? Oh man. Do you, do you remember what Panda was? I, re- I no. really can't remember. Cause I mean, it, it wasn't anybody, I, it was someone I went to, uh, like, Orange Coast College with. It was just, oh, okay. like, a kid I knew in one of my classes. And it yeah. just happened to be that he played aggressive music, too. But Oh, man. What was your... What What is, is the most, I guess, kind of, like, silly show scenario that you were put in where it was, like, some... It didn't have to be, like, a pay-to-play show, but it was just kind yeah. of, like, oh, we have to do this thing that seems... This doesn't seem right, but I guess we'll have to do it. Uh... I don't want to name any names. Don't, but, no uh, need to. We played this charity show probably like five, five years ago now. Okay. And uh, it, I mean, I don't remember what, I think it was for like a women's shelter and it took place out in Rancho Cucamonga and just, the, I, I think maybe it was the, I, I don't know. I don't remember. But yeah. uh, we played, we played doing it for a friend. He told us that there was going to be a really big headlining band from Orange County. Sure. Um, who I'm friends with, and that was bait enough for me to say, yeah, of course we'll do it. And when the flyer got posted, we were playing with a bunch of uh, deathcore bands. Yeah, so stuff you uh, fit in real well with. Yeah, <laughs> stuff I'm not, I've never been familiar So I just said, ah, man, I right. mean, it's for a good cause and for us to just drop a show. Yeah, you'd feel bad. And plus, the guy was telling us, he's like, no, it's going to be awesome, you're going to get a different crowd, you know, and that I've always liked that, you know. Right. You'll be playing in front of people that have never heard your band. Yeah. Right. And um, we got there, and uh, 
we were told that we were going to be going on second to last with the headliner who never ended up confirming. So uh, we ended up, we, we got there. I think two of us got there at seven o'clock and uh-huh. then 15 minutes later, the cool guy I knew turned into uh, the pay to play, you know, promoter. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, came over to me and said, all right, you guys go on in 30 minutes. I'm like, the rest of our guys aren't here yet. We can't. And then he said, oh, I told you this time. I said, no, I have your text message right here. And he was trying to deny it while I'm showing him physical proof in his face. <laughs> turned to this whole thing where he uh, made a fuss about it. Ended up becoming a uh, just a story amongst other promoters that we're unreliable and that we don't do as we say. Sure. And uh, we had to kind of prove that to not, you know, not be the case after a while. Yeah. He, he was trying to just, no, don't book them. They show up late. They don't care. Oh, so they, he was trying to smear your name. I thought you were saying yeah, his yeah, reputation yeah, yeah. started to precede him, but he was no. trying to be like, no, these guys are terrible to deal with. They yeah. don't live up to their end of the bargain. I mean, the show actually went great for what it was uh-huh. in the venue. It was our first time with our then new drummer. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing was just going to be an experiment. Right. See how was the <laughs> night was going to go. It went well, though. Um, but that was probably the strangest beside... You know what? <laughs> total, have you ever heard of the can in Garden Grove? No. The it's, can. Oh, this is way better. Uh, the, <laughs> I'm just remembering this. So this band, there's some band beef going on in Orange County with us because we are friends with another band who called out this kind of tough guy hardcore band for saying stuff on stage. Okay. We got lumped in and they thought it was us that called them out. So they were hitting us up on MySpace saying how the, they're going to come to all of our shows from now on and unplug our gear, not let us play. And so we were just like, and we were intimidated. We had only been a band for, I think, like six months. Sure. And uh, we just, we were like, fuck, dude. Like, You're like, we're starting out now. We're done. Our yeah, career's over. Yeah, and these guys are big, too, and like face tattoos and just intimidating right. for us. And <laughs> we... Uh, I don't remember exactly how it went, but somehow they said, all right, like, let's squash this and play a show together. So they booked the show with us and it was at this pay to play bar and we didn't know, never heard of it. Right. It's half like Japanese restaurant. Perfect. With a huge stage <laughs> with um, f- uh, big flyers when we get there saying former member of Danzig playing big night, you know, those kind of flyers. Just right. Kind of the yeah, like uh, this the the God. total like C rate like yeah. this is what people play when you're on your last leg of performing live. Yeah, so we we show up and we're just shaking our heads, just this is so bad. Walk up, tell the guy at the front door who's this big looking guy, and he we're just hey we're the first band playing. He's like all right, where's your uh, where's your pay or where's your money? We told them uh, we didn't have we were never told that this is <laughs> going to be a pay to play show. Uh-huh. He started cussing me out, got in my face, started pushing me back almost to where I was like, am I going to have to fight this guy or, you know, push him off of me? (laughs) Right. And then um, the other band comes up and they're like, yo, chill out. These guys are with us. You know, they're playing. We didn't tell them. And then they got and fought over it. He said, all right, fine. You guys have to play now. Or if you're willing to headline, I can get you opening for uh, old member of Queens of the Stone Age in a month. And so I said, no, we'll play right now. There was this family 
a father, like a, a mom, dad, and two little kids, like toddlers, eating dinner. Oh. And we're about to set up and play. Just punishing music, right? Yeah, and <laughs> there's this starry backdrop and a huge stage, probably like six feet off the floor, <laughs> and a sound guy who was wearing a Bless the Fall shirt, but he was, like, missing teeth, and he was about 60 years old. And Looks like, like a thrift store find. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was, like, <laughs> he was telling us how he knew Iggy Pop, and it, it was so bad to where the other band who told us this was the show we were going to put things aside with, Sure, they told us that, yeah, yeah, we'll come in, and they never watched us. So we played to a friend, the sound guy, this family who was just, Eating dinner. So scared. It it was like they were terrified. They've never heard anything like it. And the guy who was just crossed arms in the corner who wanted the money from us just pissed off, kept walking in and out and just like just shaking his head, looking like he wanted to like spit at us. Oh, man. We ended up, our guitarist ended up sitting down on the stage and I ended up like just doing whatever and sure. we just cut it short obviously but that'd be amazing you guys play for like two hours oh, <laughs> that was one of the most like just defeating it was like i don't know if i yeah but we put all beef aside never saw those guys again they broke up like two weeks later so <laughs> Mor- long story Mor- short. right moral moral of the story is yeah beef can be squashed and it goes away it goes away just as quickly as it comes on yeah Oh yeah, <laughs> the uh, I, I I think those those sort of stories are so perfect because obviously there are so many people that I mean when you start a band like you don't you obviously aren't thinking of the the bad shows you'll play you're just no. thinking of like the oh wow that'd be great if we got to play with like one band that's good and like yeah we get to do like you know we get to record a demo or like when did you in your head like when did you f- first start kind of having a, a vision of like wanting to play in a band or was it just like purely accidental that you played it's so weird because i've always wanted to okay like ever since i was I, I i don't remember exactly how old but i even started a band in fourth grade with my friend and it was me on bass and him on drums okay and didn't do anything and we were called the junkyard heroes it's an incredible name i i don't know where we got it from but uh it was skate punk. It was mid nineties, I think. You sure. Know? So it was. I didn't know how to play bass. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that, just, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I just hit things, and he didn't know how to play drums. So that I mean, ever since then, I mean, and then when I started going to shows, and when I started seeing stuff like that, I had a um, had a friends band in Fountain Valley actually, who I I just became friends with through mutual friends, and uh, this is like early two thousands and they were called Miss Leota, and they were, like, a metalcore band. Okay. And live, and, like, live they acted like Dillinger, every time I die, crazy stage antics. And sure. running around the whole venue wireless and being crazy, and they would always give me the microphone. That's, like, when I started singing, though. Like, oh, they would give so, you, like, to sing along, and you would... Yeah, okay. and then eventually they were like, you should just sing a song one night with us, and that's how I kind of got going. Right. But did, Because you do, I mean, you you because I know you, you obviously are, are, are a shy person. And so it's like the idea of getting up there in front of people and doing that. Like, were you ever, did you ever have that any sort of stage fright? I, in a way, I mean, it depends because it depends what my setting is. If uh, my mood goes up, then my all shyness and all everything goes away. But if I am, 
if I'm, if I, I don't know. Like, it, it just yeah. depends. Like, I, well, skate, I, I was starting in skateboarding and competing like that. I had stage fright with. I couldn't do competitions. I was about to and say, it's like people watching you there. Like, you, you, you yeah. definitely couldn't perform if there was, like, I guess, pressure or people watching you. Yeah, it was always tough for me. But I guess it's just when it's dark and I, I don't know. I just got the hang of it. and You can kind of blend it in a way? Yeah, to where... I, if I'm going crazy and it's loud, then it doesn't matter. It fades <laughs> right. It fades away. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I never wanted to be kind of the front man of something. I've always been like, no, I'll pick something else up and do it. But I, I don't know what made me. I guess because I found that I had a voice, or people were saying that I sounded good when I did sing with the other friends' bands and right. fill in here and there. That I should just do it. And right. Did you, you so you immediately gravitated towards like guitar and bass and that sort of stuff just because you didn't have that desire to sing? Yeah, well, I mean, I I took guitar lessons, I took piano lessons when I was a kid. Um, I never really followed up with it because skateboarding was always more like prominent and sure. took over everything in my life. So I, I didn't have any time to just sit down and be slow and focus on stuff and actually take the time to learn when. I really wanted to be outside going fast and doing crazy, dangerous stuff. So Sure. Was but, what was the what was the rush I guess the connection behind that? I mean obviously there's like you said, the sort of um, the restlessness that you feel when you're younger and the, the the aggressive nature of skateboarding. Was it was it that that kind of like tickled your your itch for skateboarding? I think I think so. I don't know what it was. I had these older neighbors when I was about four or five years old and they got me into skateboarding and just they were blasting like on a boombox outside on the curb and I got a skateboard for Christmas after I showed some interest in it and you know I'm gonna be 28 in July so it's been ever since then <laughs> right so, I mean I, I'm just yeah I don't know what it is I think it's just always been cool were you were you hyper as a kid like because yeah. okay usually <laughs> usually there is that sort of like out this this outdoor activity could be good for Cameron because it will get some of his his restlessness or energy out. I tried all sports too. Like I I, I did baseball. My my I have a I come from like a baseball family, so my dad played baseball in high school and was uh one of the top pitchers for Corona Del Mar High School and then Oh he, okay. Uh, he had pro aspirations or at least yeah. like college and Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had an injury though that held him back from doing that. But, oh, got um, it. You know, I, I was raised playing all team sports and I hated it. Like soccer and everything. Like I appreciate them now, but when I was younger, it was just the like the organization having to rely on other people when I know I can control a skateboard and do it on my own and I think that's what attracted me to it. Interesting. Just, so the the idea of you, like the the control factor, where yeah. it was like it all kind of relied on you to yeah. guide that thing. Yeah. As opposed to like I gotta I gotta worry about what shortstop's doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was outfield, so. Oh yeah. And then what was funny in little league is that I was always out in the outfield, and I would have friends skating by the dugouts, and I became so disinterested, or just kind of, I didn't want to be there right. and what would happen is while we were up to bat I would sneak out of the dugout and I'd be skating while the game would be going on my you dad would always have to come and stop me so. I was going to say your coaches, much lo- coaches must have loved you too God, yeah, I, 
I remember everyone on the team, except maybe two, three people I actually w- was friends with, would always just say, oh, man, Miller, what the fuck are you doing? And <laughs> getting pissed off at me, and we're in, like, fourth, third grade. and Sure. I always used to laugh because I'm like, this isn't real, you know? <laughs> just... This isn't this isn't this isn't the major leagues. Yeah, I used to just make fun of. Yeah, I don't know. Right, just used to be sarcastic towards it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I was watching those you know skate videos back then too, with all the bad words and crazy stuff in them. And sure. So I felt like I was way. I always felt like I was with kids who were just too nice. And did you feel like? Uh, I guess kind of you were you were let in into a, a secret world that obviously they didn't know about and it was like a more adult world that you're like what are you doing this kid baseball stuff for yeah i mean like i always had i was always friends and kind of hung with older neighbors so <laughs> most of my friends were about had like 7 8 years on me yeah and they i guess it was like i just couldn't relate with the, sure. the two worlds your own peers unless it was like about you know like kid stuff like star wars or James Bond, whatever was yeah, going yeah. on when I was a little kid. But, yeah. Sure. But then, yeah, you were never able to uh, to identify with your peer group because it was like, well, all my older friends are into way cooler stuff. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was my childhood. Sure. Yeah. And then do you, you uh, as you started to get through, like, high school and start to kind of, you know, in certain respects, be able to control the way that you express yourself at least yeah. as far as like what you were into and being able to be like, all right, I'm not going to go out for sports. I'm going to solely focus on skateboarding. Um, did you find your identity and feelings like changing as they must do in high school? My dad, I think he really wanted me to stay in sports. And he told me if I played uh, like a sport for high school, that he would get me a car or help me out with one. Okay. And so I ended up playing freshman football and I I don't think I, I played maybe 30 seconds of one game. <laughs> sure. But I just showed no interest, and I was over it after the conditioning. And when I was pushing myself in practices and doing all, like, the Hell Week stuff and somebody on the team couldn't keep up, and then you'd have to suffer for it and go back and do everything, I hated that idea. It never made sense to me. So mm-hmm. I just kept fighting back and ended up faking an injury. And uh, they kept oh, me. Wow. Yeah. What was the injury you faked? I just faked that I messed up my ankle because I was getting hit hard in practice. And uh, I was one one day I, I got hit in practice and I couldn't skate that weekend because of it. Oh, and must I have just, been so pissed. Yeah, I, I was livid. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck this. I don't even care about the sport. I don't watch it on TV. I don't know what I, don't, I can't even name all the teams. I don't even know who are the current pros at the moment. Right. Why am I doing this? And uh I didn't care about the car at that point anymore, too. Just, so I just thought, I ended up being the coach's assistant. They kicked off all the kids who had real injuries, who couldn't play anymore. I was the coach's assistant. I was able to get out of PE, and then he finally just said, yeah, I can't have you doing this anymore, so you're going to go into the regular PE classes. But yeah, it was when I did that, I guess, I mean, I always kind of hung out with all the different kind of, groups of people at school and everything um but in high school and growing up in that um I guess yeah my identity was always up for question and what I what I wanted to be or who you know I wanted to identify you know, yeah who yeah. you wanted to align yourself with yeah you, there it's, it seems like there was obviously and I know most kids feel this way like there's always an obstacle in the way whether it's like yeah. parents school whatever all these things that are in your way of like 
<laughs> the pursuit of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. You know, even if it's like a dumb pursuit, it doesn't matter. It's like, you're like, but I want to do that thing. Yeah. Did you, um, and I know that, I mean, cause you've, you've been very open, especially from your a lyrical perspective of obviously battling depression in high school. Like a lot of people, yeah. uh, in to varying degrees obviously have, but I know yours, your, your case was much more severe. So like, when did, um, when did that sort of like, uh, mental effect start to, you know, did you recognize that in your own life? I think it was just when I started struggling with school and, um, were you a good student prior to that? Like, or- yeah, I mean, I've always been interested and I've always loved learning and it was kind of a, just, I guess the shift of when you're growing up and when you're that age, everything's changing and you're becoming this new person and you're starting to, uh, find your place in the world, I guess. Sure. And, uh, so like in elementary school, were you getting like A's and B's and stuff like that? Not always. I mean, it was like, I cared, but it wasn't caring enough to be perfect. So I would just kind of get by with C's and B's. Okay. Um, But I, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD when I was younger. So, I mean, I had, uh, I had, you know, prescriptions for that. And it helped when I got on Adderall a little bit in high school and that helped me, but it kind of made me a little numb. But I guess it was when I started just not caring I started experiencing relationships and stuff and then diving deep into certain bands and records and giving me that extra perspective on things. And I don't really know how that starts or what really happens, but I guess um, it uh, had to have been like early freshman year when I noticed, because I was really happy and really just, I just remember eighth grade with my friends being just this blast. Sure. I mean... Just being so much fun, but yeah, it was early high school when I noticed it starting to uh, kind of come in. When it, I mean, to not use a cliche, but it's yeah. like the 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 world turns gray, where it's just like there you don't seem to have the highs and lows. It just kind of all like levels it was, out. It was more for me. Um, it was more lows, I guess you could say. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was it was leveled out, but it was also kind of questioning everything and not being able to find any positive to anything or just. It was like a friend would invite me out and they would say, oh, let's go do this or tonight, whatever. And I'd just be on the, I remember this one instance and I looked at my couch and I said, what's the point in three hours I'm going to be sitting right there anyways. (laughs) Just kind of like, what's the point of anything? That's kind of how it was, it was becoming very bleak and just. That was was like your common response for everything. Yeah. And I. I could save my money or, you know, whatever cash I've been saving this week and go do something else. Or it was, I didn't see any point to going out. And I kind of had a little like social anxiety. I was kind of insecure about some stuff and just, I, uh, I pushed back a lot. Right. Yeah. People, people trying to include you, but then you were just like, nah, but it's, that's dumb. I don't need to do that. Yeah. But I, I never vocalized it. I hit it really well. Like I, I, I've always been kind of one to not, I, it wasn't until recently that I'd consider myself an open book about things. Right. So, so yeah, but before you would be able to, well, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with your age too. Like you yeah. don't, it's never, uh, it's never a cool thing to be vulnerable in high school. Yeah. You have to put up like 17 different layers of armor in order to feel like you can navigate through a day. Yeah. But then the, the, the concept of, of you, doing that obviously not only with like your close friends but i mean your family and like you so you were just like slowly isolating yourself yeah um 
I was getting in trouble. I mean, I was skate. I was still skateboarding a lot, and that's when I started going to shows and kind of hanging out with some like bad kids, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, who were getting into a ton of trouble, and I started just kind of following around with it. Like, what sort of trouble are we talking about? Are we talking about like you know just general like sort of teenage vandalism, or were you guys like you know yeah. shoplifting and I'm, doing there other? Was, there was some shoplifting. There was some vandalism. The whole. You know, someone's talking shit, so we got to go fight them. Got it. And then uh, I'd get in a few fights, and that would bum me out too. Just, right. I hated it, but because yeah, time, you did. You were, you just felt like you were going along. Yeah, it was like this isn't my fight, and I felt like I was going to get arrested every day for something stupid. And I kind of hung out with people I didn't really like, but it was hey, we're going to go do this later, so this is going to be worth it, or they're the ride to this, or whatever it is Sure. we're going to go do. But, yeah, it, um, yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June, and you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to, like, accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that, obviously, for one, matter to you, but for two, Look back, be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. I am Chuck. And I am Godless. And we are the Metal Sucks Podcast, a sincere yet snarky look at the metal world today. Featuring interviews with the biggest names in metal. Like maybe Kirk Hammett from Metallica. That's uh, probably the most unusual question I've been asked today. Dan Tompkins from Tesseract. It's been a really good interview, by the way, guys. Probably one of the best I've done so far, and I've done loads at the minute. Oh. So. Even Chris Adler from Lamb of God subscribes to this podcast. I was serious earlier. I listened to the podcast i subscribe to it and it's cool to be on it not only do we have some of the biggest names in metal on our podcast but we also you know have some of the best discussion topics that we uh, we like to agree on no we don't we don't agree on anything are we, you kidding well, we can agree that everybody needs to subscribe to this podcast on stitcher itunes or catch this every single monday at metalsucks.net the metal sucks podcast that was it and then the uh as you started to see it all kind of come to uh, a head where it's like, you, like you said, you were experiencing, you know, lows where you just, you know, didn't want to go anywhere, didn't want to interact with anybody. Um, the, but like you said, the, the stuff that you were kind of putting in your head as well, as far as like records and um, things that obviously really embrace the idea of depression and uh, are, are trying to offer comfort within yeah. that idea of being depressed. Um, is that that's the stuff that you were like readily consuming? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a lot of dark stuff. I mean, I was listening to everything. I mean, that's when I was really finding all my favorite music, and it was mostly just I. I would have to say it's just brain chemistry, of for for whatever I I had a lack of. Um, I guess you could say just the antidepressants I was taking. They they weren't work, they weren't working. Um, the school stuff, just the re- the repetition. Um, people saying things. Just I would I would have like a meeting with a guidance counselor, and they would just kind of uh, brush it off when I would show an interest in something, and saying, "Nah, you're better off doing this because this will make more money." Or just everything started not making sense. Sure. So and, you felt helpless. Yeah, and and then you know with when you're young and you're going through your first like relationships or you know you're having your first uh experiences with just friendships falling apart or drifting apart from each other and i'm getting into one thing they're drifting that way um certain people stop skating with me or stop doing certain things because they're going to go do that and um i like i said i can't really pinpoint exactly what started everything but i just know it got really bad to where i didn't want to live anymore at one point right and i um i didn't want to i didn't want to talk to anybody about it either i just didn't trust therapists i didn't trust anything i was gonna say was it so was that a question of you obviously like you said it's the trust but like there there's an element of like you know, again, like you didn't want to make yourself feel vulnerable to anybody by like, or did you not want to like burden anybody as well? Or it's yeah. just like, oh, I don't want to bother my parents with this or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they would ask me how I was doing and I just respond with, I'm, I'm all right. I'm yeah. Cool. I'm okay. Right. Yeah, I'm okay. And then, you know, my behavior, my schoolwork or would say otherwise. Right. But. I'm sure they felt, I'm the way that they felt too, I'm sure they felt um, very desperate and helpless. Yeah. Because, I mean, you weren't giving them anything, and they didn't know what to do. and well, They were concerned when, you know, I, a few times when I'd show up and a cop would drop me off at home. And they were concerned when, you know, they would see kind of what I was listening to or 
kind of how I was acting and um, I guess it was when I just in junior year I stopped caring like I I was sitting in chemistry I remember it was like first day of junior year and I didn't like the teacher off the bat and I this is something I've always had an interest in too and I just I knew I wasn't going to get anything out of this class because of the way they already started introducing it and um, a few days in and then a week later it was just I, I don't care I'm not going to show up anymore I'm going to get a different class and I'm going to do things my way kind of mm-hmm. independent study was becoming popular at that time too and I figured uh, my parents will buy it and they'll get me into it somehow but um, that's kind of what my attitude was and that's where they were getting concerned sure so it was, yeah, it was around junior year um yeah. was it would you say that's kind of the where it all kind of came crashing down and you like you said because obviously you uh, attempted you attempted more than once to take your own life correct yeah um it didn't happen though until i got back from the whole utah thing oh that we okay talked about sure but what had happened was my parents they were pretty desperate to help out and what they did is they ended up sending me to a program out in Utah. Um, they thought it was going to be a different situation, but it it kind of facilitated more as a rehab. I wasn't using any drugs or alcohol at the time, and because uh, you were you straight edge or or I wasn't saying that I was yet, but it was. It, I already knew. I just. Um, I just already made that decision. I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. Got it. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't put the label, but you had already been like, well, I'm not partying. So. Yeah. And so when I got to this place, it was the opposite of what my parents told me it was going to be like. Um, Just getting me there was pretty traumatic. Um, Sure. How did, yeah. How did, how did they present? Because like they had, they had, they had one impression of how this thing was going to be. So how did they, uh, they just, sprung it on you right like they basically dropped you yeah. off at the airport is that kind of well what happened was i was surprised at my dentist office with two escorts who were who you know self-claimed that they were track all-star guys that if i tried to run they would get me and so i was you know detained by them driven to the airport and then when we went through airport security i tried to run and then i was detained by airport security and had to do a full search of everything and I had to get on the next flight out instead, but that put me on a restriction when I got to Utah at the facility that I was on this, um, I had to be kept inside for a minimum of two weeks to where, because I had a running. You were going to run, sure. So. And, but, but, but you didn't, your, your parents didn't like front load you at all being like, Hey, this is, this is going to happen. Like once they did detain you, like on the drive over or whatever they like. Well, when they, when they, showed up they introduced me to the guys as i thought were people that worked with my dad or for his company and got it they uh they told me yeah you're uh, going to utah today my mom just said i'm so sorry my dad was like you know we tried everything and you just you know we're worried about you and we think this is going to be for the best it's not going to be that long it's just going to be for a few months and uh we looked into this place it's really good and at that point, I was really adamant about becoming a professional skateboarder, and I'd been focusing a lot on it and mm-hmm. spending most of my time just working on stuff and trying my um, trying my best to just land all the stuff I've always been afraid to do sure. during that time. So I just said, am I going to be able to skate out there? And So I, I was stripped of, like, everything I'd been doing, and um, 
you know, I was out there for a few months and it turned out to be just the craziest situation. It was like almost clockwork orange, like Kubrick, just the strangest thing. And, um, I went through a lot of crazy shit out there and there was a lot of malpractice going on. You know, I, I was being diagnosed with stuff and they were switching up medications that I was on and telling me that I had this disorder, you're this, you're that. If you start seeing things at night, don't be worried. It's just the medication, scary, you know, <laughs> trying to scare me. So Right. Did, and, and this was all under the guise of like a rehab center or like what, the, what, what was the kind of the, the general premise of what they were trying to accomplish? Just like well, simply condition you? They're trying to pretty much, um, they, it was like a behavioral, behavioral okay. center. Therapy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I was going to like three sessions of therapy a day and I was being, you know, it was so, I can't even describe it to this day sometimes. I can't find the words for it, but it's the way they were doing things. You just can't do that to people. And it was a, it's a lockdown facility, and they're only allowed to have those, I think, in Utah. Uh-huh. So it was, um, sorry. No, it's boring. The wind is all, I'm like, sh- I'm like cold afterwards. It's okay, I'm it's never okay. cold. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, you're, well, you're, you're, you're reliving traumatic memories that obviously, uh, cause your body to react a certain way. Oh. I totally get it. Oh, yeah, totally. The, uh, uh, it's, but, it's, um, no, I, I, w- what happened was, I was I was taking all these meds. Um, the food they made was awful. I was making myself peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every single meal or cereal, and um, it just got so bad to where I got assaulted one night by my roommate, and I fought him off. I broke into my therapist's office after setting off the place's alarm from breaking my rule or from opening the door to my room. Sure, I set off an alarm. Um, I went in, broke into my therapist's office, called my parents, told them what was really going on, and my my dad said I had no idea we we're coming out there, and uh, they got me, and brought me home after that. But um, how many? How long were you there for? It's like two months. Jeez. But it wasn't compared to a lot of people who have gone. I always feel bad because I'm like, nah, I've heard so and so has been there for a year and a half or. Went a lot longer. Oh, two months, that's nothing. But every day felt like it was like a week long. Well, yeah. And plus, it's still, it's your experience. Yeah, like, you can totally. compare yeah. everything else. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, of course. Like, oh, you weren't in Nazi internment. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, there's probably someone that's experiencing something worse. But it still was so. I feel like it's the same degree of something that someone else is feeling, too. I mean, right, right, right. So it's that. experience. Definitely. I mean, it sounds like this a weird combination of. Uh, like prison therapy like there was like just it sounded atrocious and awful and i know that some people there were used to that lifestyle or that they've been in similar situations where they weren't getting the same they they weren't feeling the same thing i was but um i was i was being treated differently by the staff they were out to get me at certain points and Mm -hmm. i knew it wasn't just the paranoia from the medication either it was clearly hearing something and catching them trying to plot something that I would act out because I made a I told myself first day I sat down in the office the admissions office I said I'm doing everything I can to get out of here as fast as I can and I'm not going to act up I'm not going to I'm going to be on my best behavior I'm going to prove that I can get out of here and um, I also thought my parents were just trying to scare me I thought that this was just going to be like a a wake-up call sure it turned out to actually be a a longer stay right um 
you know, two days after the room I was supposed to move into, someone killed themselves in the shower. And Jeez. I had to move into that room a few days later. So I was already already just, what is this place? Of course. What's going on? You know, I, I didn't understand it the entire time I was there. And um, Did you find any, I mean, obviously, retroactively looking at that, did I mean, I know it would probably be impossible for you to answer, but just, like, mm. the trajectory of your life, like, if you didn't get sent to this place, like, how you could have potentially rebounded? Like, I'm sure there's so many thoughts rolling around in your head on, like, how you could have gone if you didn't go to this place. I used to do that. Like, I used to think that it was actually a constant thought after I got home. And after, you know, I tried to kill myself twice. And then it's oh, it, it kept coming up even earlier last year in 2015 and um you know because I I I felt like that this was just never going to stop bugging me I thought that this hit me at a time where my mind was still developing to where it was just always going to affect me right but I I don't think like that anymore I I complete I haven't thought about it in a painful way in a long time and the last time I talked to you about this I started remembering things I never thought about since I was there. Sure. I felt like I was starting to disassociate from the conversation. And that's when I was, I was just kind of, oh my God, like that stuff really happened. Totally. And, uh, it was like an out of body sort of like you were watching yourself speak, but not really comprehend what you were kind of putting out there. Yeah, totally. It was like stream of consciousness. Yeah. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. Goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The, um, so the, you, you obviously were able to, like you said, sort of shed retroactively shed the the negative experience that is that and just be like well i like i'm living in the here now and i'm obviously moving on from that depression i mean and i know that was like a recent mental shift in yours but before we yeah move before we move into that the the idea that like you know 
the biggest thing, like putting myself in your shoes, the most difficult thing or emotions that I would probably be going through is like the sense of, you know, betrayal from like your family that you would feel because like they might have had good intentions, but then, you know, you don't, you don't have the clarity about that. (laughs) Yeah. I, there were times where I definitely thought that I, when I came home, I'd been home for a few days and it was great being around my family and everything, but my mind was in such a shift with medication and just different realities, switching back to Southern California life from Utah life. And I started getting these paranoid thoughts, just they don't really care, you know, like how could they send me there and now just pretend everything's all smiles and great. And uh, I just, I, I also thought like they'll never know what they did to me you know just certain things I, I hated my parents for for a minute and um, now I understand I mean it, it's I feel like because I have friends that are parents now I'm I'm not near that point I don't know if I ever I, I ever will be who knows but uh, I just see it now and I'm like I'd probably do the same thing or something similar if I had a kid that was that close to maybe killing themselves or being so reckless that something bad and accident would have happened or mm-hmm. just the people he was hanging out with that. I would have made that decision myself probably if I could. But sure. I understand where they're coming from because now I have such, I mean, I've had such a great relationship with them since I've been home and they've seen me kind of struggle and getting back and starting life over almost. Sure. So, you know, I, the, betra- the betrayal thing existed for a minute, but yeah, yeah. understandably so. You yeah. like, I mean, it's an emotion that you obviously have to work through, where it's totally. like something that can be present because that's what you felt. But then, yeah, like you said, once you have perspective on it, yeah, the um, and so the, the, there was that haze uh, after you came home of kind of like, I'm sure at that point you even felt more hopeless than what you were entering the. Or was there was there an element of like, I just thank God I'm out. For a little bit, it was strange because after I got out, I went to Snowbird up in Salt Lake or the I forget, Park City, I think it is up sure. there. And I met Kathleen O'Hara from Home Alone Saturday Night Live. Right, right. Juice. And she was so kind and nice and everything. And she asked me why I was up there. And I hesitated and just said I was on vacation with family. But I met her up there. That gave me like, oh, man, like that's wild you know and I felt a little better after that but like I just remember right after that moment I started thinking about everything I just lived through and the next few days were just so like I guess you could say they were bleak I guess you could say they were black and white but nothing mattered and that's when I just said I can't do this I can't live you can't deal with this anymore and I tried to kill myself sure Um, and that was that was just it was an actual you know attempt at it where I thought I tried or wanted to before thought about it it was a full-on I'm doing this and it was unsuccessful and uh what did you how did you attempt to kill yourself um I tried to uh hang myself in my garage sure um and it left a mark around my neck for a few weeks and I mean it, it was Something broke. I don't know. I must have passed out during it. But sure. I was about to say, did the, the rope fail and then someone, like, and did no one discovered you? you no. Were... I woke up about 4 a.m. My jaw was hurting. I think I smashed my face on the ground when I came down. But 
I um I came to and I was like I kind of said what the fuck am I doing kind of laughed uh, laughed it off woke up looked in the mirror you know I was sore it was tough to I, I was just how am I gonna hide this so sure wearing collared shirts which I never would wear <laughs> and then uh I was using concealer for a few weeks and then I got bummed out again looking at myself that I'd done that and I tried to kill myself again um differently I, I don't really want to talk about that one no problem didn't work out so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> trying to be trying to lighten it up yeah no 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 I understand yeah. but yeah I mean you 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 were yeah you, they, there does I mean because my, my brother-in-law bat, like he's he's attempted to commit suicide more than once and there mm-hmm. is that that a pattern that you just don't think about until you're confronted with it of the disgust that one person feels when they're just like oh I can't even fucking do this right like yeah. I can't even kill like how horrible of a human being if I can't even kill myself? Like, I need to do this again or whatever. That was, there was a thought like that, but there was also... Um, I thought about my brother and my sister and how that would affect them. I thought about my parents and how just... I also thought about certain friends that had relied on me, and I I don't know. Like, that kind of fought back all of that for a bit. And I, it's come back a few times, that thought, but I don't know. I mean, I... I I'm certain now that I'll never do that again. Right. And um, only certain as of last year. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's well, I mean, and that, that's, that's a perfect segue into the, um, you know, when you and I hung out when we were in Arizona when you were playing that show and, you know, how, like, we, you yeah. expressed to me a lot of these, these the, the, the feelings that you were having in regards to, like, true and actual happiness. Like, it was just so... Um, for a person that's never been plagued with depression, yeah. uh, but like my wife has suffered through it, my mother and my mother-in-law, I've, it, I'm privy to the feelings that people go through. What you were expressing to me was so like, just it was so basic, but yet so unbelievably like inspiring because it was just like, oh, like making the decision to be happy, like yeah, that 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 hurdle so many people can't jump across. Like tell tell me how you kind of um, were able to use that and be able to like make that decision. It's um, it's funny because it's right there. Like, that's how I've always, for me at least, it was always right there in front of me, and it was common sense to where I started thinking, I was like, I can take all the medications in the world, I can talk to all the doctors, I can read all the books, and I can, you know, listen to things that are inspirational, but, like, you have to make the choice yourself. I, I kind of compared it to if I need to learn something, if I need to memorize something, I need to practice, practice makes perfect 10,000 hours into anything, you know, that kind of philosophy so I need to practice being happy I need to practice being positive and cutting off that bad part and just saying when it would resurface it was like catching yourself it would start resurfacing it's just like no fuck this I don't have time for this I'm not giving into that thought or that feeling um I was told I'm bipolar by some doctors you know over the past few years um I started buying into it and creating a comfort zone out of it and so what I did was just use it as an excuse for my actions or the way I'd feel and I'd start sinking into these moods that you just can't pull yourself out of and one thought it's like oh I screwed up on this because I'm a failure at this I can't do this right or this this and this you start thinking about all the times you've ever failed and that's what would bring me down and when that chain reaction of thought would start happening, I just start cutting it off, just saying, no, 
there's too many good things going on about you and too many good things that you have waiting and potential for to go off on that thought process. And right. It was so, it was something that I would, it was like, oh, what's more comforting just to come home from work after a long day where you've been defeated or felt defeated by things or if something happened during the day that was awful. It's easier to just go sulk about it and it's easier to just sit there and kind of let yourself feel bad about it. I mean, for me, I was too comfortable with that and I just had to cut that out to where I said, no, I'm going to pull myself up right now and go for a run. I'm going to go work out right now. I'm going to go skate. I'm going to call a friend, go meet up, talk about it. And it, when you do any of those things, it always puts you in better spirits. It always puts you in a better mood. And so I start practicing this breaking that habit what I used to do it's like I can easily just go grab food right now and go sit and watch movies for the next eight hours and forget about everything or I could just go and actually do something productive and sure. make something worth my time and put that energy somewhere else I, I really like the way that you put that because I think the 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 notion of, of practice like you know there are so many <laughs> When you are in a certain mindset, it is a decision. Like, and it, whether or not you're accepting it as a decision, it is a decision. Yeah. Like, you're waking up and, like, you know, you don't have any reason to be like, oh, well, I'm immediately going to be in a bad mood. Like, yeah. that is a decision. And like you, like you said, the, the, the ways that you have to fight off your own instincts of being like, well, no, like, I can't listen to that. Yeah. I just really like that, that, that concept of, of practice, practicing a mood, you know? It is, it really, is, and it works because it's, if it works that way, it has to work with everything else that's in your mind. Yeah. And it really does. Like, it's, I haven't been on medication now for six years. And the last, I was taking a mood stabilizer and the side effects were just too intense, so I quit it. And I have had crazy mood swings for the last few years. And when I decided to finally after i mean in june even last year i just i woke up one morning and i was like i can't now i am serious i can't live anymore i can't do this anymore i'm going to do it and it was the most prep i guess it was the most preparation i've ever put into actually going through with it mm -hmm. and i just kind of said are you, are you fucking kidding me i'm how old now and i'm still like this i remember there was a point in my life where i wasn't like this i can get back to that Right. I have to. And so I, it was early in the morning. I, I turned everything around, you know, stopped everything I was doing, um, threw away whatever note I was writing, and I went down to my gym at my apartment, and I just, I, I said, I'm just going to work out until I feel better. And I just said that I'm going to do this every morning until however long it takes for me to be happy again. Sure. And then I also had this delusion that it was you're going to be happy one day or it's impossible to be happy one day and or how I'm saying it wrong what I was I guess it was I was looking for constant happiness oh sure getting, that there was no like yeah there's no fluctuation of that it's like I need to be happy or else I'm failing yeah and I put things into reality and said that that's not realistic life is about it's it's about that ups and downs and it's just trying to find the balance between them and taking things realistically. If I lose my job tomorrow, I don't have to die. I don't right. have to end my life because of it. You right. never know what's going to happen. And if you have friends, if you have things you enjoy in your life, you'll come back. You know, I, 
I guess, you know, resilience has to be a pattern, you know, when you face these things because you know you can come back. Right. Those things aren't killing you. And right. You can do the whole thing where it's like someone else out there in the world has it way worse, but you're not seeing it from that perspective because you're not there with them. So I try to block that thought process out and where it's like, no, I can only control myself and I can offer help to them once I'm better. But that's where I'm at, where I... I found that balance now. I'm naturally balanced where I don't have to take any medication. I don't get sad like I used to. And either it's just me growing up and growing out of it, but I I think it's actually because I started putting practice into it. I'm not negative as I was. I don't buy into a lot of the negativity that's, you know, surrounding, you know, the music, you know, the the community you and I are both involved in. I just don't fall for those traps anymore it's just right it's nice yeah it's nice you made it you made a decision and that that's the way that you pointed yourself as opposed to like so many people don't make that conscious decision and you feel like you feel like a ping pong ball you know you feel like you're just kind of like oh i'm on this side today i'm on the other side today and it's like well no like just maybe put the ball down and then like i can hopefully make that decision to where i'm in control of my own emotions and everything else that circles around me I can't control, but I can control my emotions. Yeah, and that and it's ultimately destroying that comfort zone to where you think, because I used to identify with it. I used to identify and, you know, kind of own up to it and say, yeah, I'm just this depressed person who hates everything and hates everyone, et cetera. And right. Like, if I lose that, I don't have anything. And what if I lose that? I won't be as creative with whatever I'm doing, and it's not even that at all. It's I can still look back and see everything the way it was, and I can return to those feelings and I can but I see it differently now with a new perspective more sure. focused and sharp one I I kind of compare depression and everything that I've been dealing with to this dirty screen that I've removed from my brain to where now I'm able to feel things the way they're supposed to be felt I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to enjoy this I'm supposed to be this sad about something instead of hitting ultimate lows and right. ridiculous manic highs that i would fall into sometimes and right it's like it's like a filter you've removed yeah and it's I, like i don't need to look at the world like that and i started com- i started comparing that to school and how i would receive information too because once i did that i noticed that i'm able to pick things up a lot faster i'm able to not analyze things the way i would or say what's the point to this it's more i just i want more of this what is this i mean i, I started this thing too where every year now i started it it's been like 11 days now, but since the new year, but uh, where I'm going to learn a language, the basics of a language and how much I can and an instrument every year. Okay. And do it together simultaneously to where I can start just, it's like just an extra thing I can add on to keep myself busy and engaged. I don't really need to distract anything anymore, but it's just, I'm finding these new interests. And I think it's because I removed that depression because I never was this, motivated or right kind of in touch with humanity right Right. you're like wow there's all these cool things out there yeah (laughs) all these all these bright new shiny objects that i can play with exactly exactly i I feel like i got a second chance or that i'm like experiencing it and right i've been trying to find a way to talk about it so it doesn't come off as corny or you know cheesy in a way right like you're born again and you found yourself it's like yeah yeah, you're you're not going on the uh julia roberts eat pray love like journey (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I understand. There's a lot of yeah. cliches about that, but it's, but I mean, there's, there's, there's a reality behind that. 
and that's like what you're experiencing. Like you said, it's like you can actually see things for what they are, as opposed to, um, like you said, just through this this weird filter. And it's and it's also, I'm able to convey certain emotions where it's not so aimless, and it's not, you know, it's it's now if I have something that's angering me and I need to write about it, it's more focused and it's not as out of control and chaotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Temporary, I guess you can say. It's oh, sure. More of a I guess, intelligent way of being able to express myself. I've been able to not embarrass myself. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how I'm trying to say it, but it's now that I've, like, removed that, I'm seeing things the way they should be and how they really are. Right. Opposed to how I want things to be. So sure. Because when you're, well, I definitely, I can understand what you're saying, where it's yeah, like yeah, when, yeah. You're, when you're in an emotion, you tend to write about it especially from, like, a lyrical perspective, very melodramatically. And like you vent be- in a yeah. very chaotic way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's, yeah, there's no focus at it because you're not, like you said, looking at the emotion for what it actually is. But then when you're able to have that perspective, that's when you're able to be like, oh, I can write two sentences about that as opposed to, like, 17 pages of gibberish. Like, yeah, and there's something I my bipolar will switch off and I won't feel that way tomorrow. Right. Yeah. You're like, this doesn't represent me as a human being at all. That's what was happening. And so now it's more, I, I'm just able to be more focused, I guess you could say. I'm just able to actually just do things and turn it in, I guess, to life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, like okay, I'm able to show up here. Right. Okay. Here's the final draft. I don't have to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the, uh, cause obviously you, um, have been able to, to, to filter all these feelings to seizures, the band you play in. Um, and just the idea of, because you guys are, are, you know, a very hardworking band for obviously how involved you all are with, you know, jobs and other things that obviously the real life stuff gets in the yeah. way. Um, is it, is it one of those things where it's like, do you feel the band is kind of a, a necessity for you personally? Or is it one of those things where it's just like, no, it's just simply a very fun activity for me to do. Like, where does that... Where does that kind of sit in your head? It's definitely a necessity. It's my main outlet, I guess I'd say now, because I don't skate the way I used to. I, I still skate, but I'm not going down rails as much. <laughs> right, not doing 10 stairs. Not not even, yeah, my knees won't take it anymore. But uh, <laughs> I'm, it's, it's my friend, I mean, my best friends and I creating a soundtrack pretty much to our lives, and we're trying to write the best music we can and push ourselves, and we're doing something that I feel like it's we're trying to create something unique and uninfluenced by anything but our emotions to where it's like this is like a huge project that I don't feel like you can put a you know an end to it I I don't we've talked about it before where there's just we're we're limitless now to where we have this is something we really have to do right we're always thinking about it and how we can make it different and how we can add to it and um, it's very. Yeah, it sounds my favorite thing. Sounds I mean, very driven. Yeah, very, like but yeah. like purpose driven as opposed to um, the notion of like oh we can we can make this as a band. There's just I I've always said it's just making music we've always wanted to hear, I mean, and it's like there's music similar to it out there, but there's things we need to add to it where it hasn't existed before for us or that we haven't heard yet and that's where it comes together where we're constantly sitting down to where it just there's never been a point where we've been stumped by something where it's just there's we can't do that because of this there's 
we're open to everything about mm-hmm. it, and that's what's so interesting about it because we, we keep growing up together, and it's been the same lineup for five years now, but um, we've all been friends for a lot longer than that, and just the fact that we can use this as our outlet and go travel together and make this, you know, this art together. I mean, I hate trying to sound like as an artist or... <laughs> yeah, as a I musician. That, yeah, no, I, I understand. It's it's more just us fucking around most of the time. But, yeah. you know, when we really do work on things and we do stick to it, you know, we're, we're just... It's cool to just look over and be like, we've been doing, you know, we've been doing this for so long. This is so fucking cool. And right. at the same time, we've been completely true to ourselves and doing it for ourselves. And it's just cool that other people have paid attention and that, I guess... I'd like to come and watch it. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's that's all we can ask for. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. If, uh, if other people are along for the ride, that's awesome. Yeah. We'd, we'd still be doing it regardless, but... Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, Cameron, I love you. I really appreciate you doing this because I know it wasn't easy for you, but... Love, love you too is a lot better this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's what you... Yeah. you we the, the first one was a dress rehearsal, and yeah, now yeah, yeah. now now you've you've cleared the decks. And no, I mean I really appreciate you in all sincerity because I think the way that you uh, not only approach your the the hard times that you had, but the way that you describe it and the way that you obviously um, describe how you got out of it, I just think it's 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 very applicable to many people's situations, regardless of how f- quote unquote far gone they are. You know. So I think it's yeah, I, it was very important for me to obviously have you on for this particular reason, but then obviously for you to obviously get it off your chest and be able to put it out there in a more public forum. So of course. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So there we go. That was Cameron. I'm still recording this in my car as I drive home. I'm, I trust, trust me. I'm being safe. I'm being responsible. I'm holding this at a safe distance away from my mouth. I am not being distracted. Uh, well, I guess I technically am by talking to you, but thank you very much. Like I said, at the beginning of the show to Cameron, uh, it was great for him to hear his story and, uh, hopefully it provides you some, um, you know, comfort, solace, something, because uh, I know many people that get drawn to all of the stuff that we enjoy uh, sometimes have uh, trauma that they carry around and uh, suffer from depression. I know my whole family, my wife, my mother, a lot of other people uh, that I am close with suffer from that and are either medicated or not medicated. And um, it's, it's, just, it's a total struggle, and I absolutely get it. And hearing Cameron's story was great because um, obviously it's a, it's a success story, but it's something that uh, it really embodies uh, how amazing the human spirit is. So thank you, Cameron. That's all I got to say. Thank you very much for listening, and I apologize for the somewhat frantic nature in these intro and outros, but like I said, I really wanted to capture this moment, and hopefully, um, yeah, it'll resonate with you in some uh, capacity. So, until next week, uh, I'm not going to tease the guests because, um, yeah, frankly, I don't want to look at my phone and get in a real accident. So, anyways, until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. 
BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Hey there, all you lovely listeners. Let's dive into this latest release that is going to suck the life out of you in the best way possible. So listen up, because the Womanizer Next 3D Pleasure Air Stimulator, available from Pink Cherry, takes pleasure to a whole new dimension, literally. Imagine taking the speed and intensity of the original groundbreaking Pleasure Air technology combined with new Climax Control, so you can control even the depth of the airwaves. The 3D Pleasure Air technology offers a deeper, richer sensation that might just transport you to another universe of pleasure. The Womanizer Next 3D, available from Pink Cherry, is the only toy that allows you to take complete control of your orgasm journey with fully customizable speeds, intensities, and depths. Made from soft-touch silicone, a fully waterproof body, and smart silence technology, you can enjoy pleasure anywhere, anytime. So what are you waiting for? Ditch the doll and enjoy unparalleled pleasure from the Womanizer Next 3D, available from Pink Cherry. Visit PinkCherry.com and save an extra 20% off with code NEXT.